I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. Here we go. This is um, an area of content that it's just really exciting for me to be able to talk about character for just a moment with you. And as always, I'm going to take permission, I'm going to give for myself permission to wander into something that is, it's one of these pretty complex kinds of ideas um, and, and things that we talk about often, but I'm not sure we always know what we're talking about. And so um, let's, I hope that we wander into the deep waters, but also that we finish in the shallow end in a place where I would consider the shallow end the place where it actually has practical value. We're not just kind of trying to stay afloat. So allow me to go here with um, this concept of character. And I want to say something out of the gate is that last week uh, in, the, in the weekly wild experience, and I'm going to do a, a shameless kind of push right here. Any of you that are desiring an intentional process for development. So I'm calling out my son, Aiden, who is on, the, who is, who's on right now. Some of you actually had him in your group. And uh, Aiden was talking to me about wanting to uh, go to the gym. And it's kind of hard to go to the gym right now, but he was wanting to get, for us to get into the gym. I used to spend a lot of time in the gym, probably more than I should have. And so I, I kind of know certain things about the way the gym works. And so I was going to, he was get, talking about getting intentional about his workout as he has gotten sort of into health and some other things. And so we talked about going to the gym so I could show him certain things that I've learned over the years. And I think in the same way, what, what we know is that your development requires some intention. And, uh, and so the weekly wild experience, which is basically we're walking through the entire wild toolkit with everyone who has access, any Tuesday can jump on for that moment. The reason why I say this, so I'm just saying jump in there. Last week was unbelievable for me and for so many people who sent me notes afterwards because we talked about developmental readiness. And I wanted to say one thing that's related to character, related to the, when I looked out at the, the, the literature on developmental readiness, there was one thing that stood out. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because it's a whole other talk, but was this, that true developmental readiness is about a bunch of things and making those things last in what, they, what the authors call, or these theorists and these, these, these uh, researchers call our long-term memory structures. So in other words, this is the way I would say that in my, my street level, bottom shelf, approachable way, learning that sticks, learning that sticks, because that's what matters. And I think this relate, relates to this concept. I'm going to come back around to that in just a moment. But so when it comes to character, it's interesting. This, this, uh, we live in an interesting time regarding character because for the first time in my lifetime, I don't know about you, but this is my reflection on pop culture, is that 
what we see in many, many characters, including superhero characters, by the way, you look at all the Marvel movies or, or other characters on any kind of binge show that you watch. If you don't watch, then you're a better person than I am. But if you have that, whatever it is that you, you see that's out there, one thing that we kind of expect now um, and actually have very little tolerance for if it's missing is that every character uh, needs to have the, um, the possibility of doing both good or evil. Think about this for just a second. Like the superheroes of my childhood through the 70s and even in, into the 80s, we thought of superheroes as people that kind of did everything right. And I think what's interesting in culture today is that we, we have a different perception. So my person I would have identified, one of the people that comes to mind is Rick from The Walking Dead. Now, if you're like, you just brought up zombies, Rob, and you have a big problem with that, I am telling you this. Zombies are simply the backdrop. Just hang with me. It's like the zombies are the backdrop. And I think that that show, and I, I'm a fan, actually dealt with the, the complexity of the human condition. Like many other, I can, there's a lot of others I could mention in very interesting ways. Um, and where Rick, the character, you don't know, like, Rick has done some things that were kind of awful. And Rick is also attempting to lead. And there's some unbelievable leadership quotes in The Walking Dead. So that's my pitch for that. But it's interesting. Our tolerance for that is it's changing, right? The way that we think about this issue of character. Now, um, this is where I also allow me to wander into this jungle because it's a lot of things I've been thinking about for years. And in many ways, the wild conversation has, had, has been a place for me to take all this research, like integration of different theorists and, and research and philosophy, even a bit of theology and a bit of kind of how and, and whole person development, like what is actually happening in people's experience. So this is all about the character X factor, which was kind of the bait and switch. Like if we can name it big, then you might actually show up for the conversation on Friday. But here's what I, here's what I want to, um, as I set this up, I want to read you something from an article I wrote. This is at the beginning of the article. So just listen to this. It says, there is no doubt that selecting competent leaders is important. We need people who have the skills and competencies to get the job done. However, hiring manager after hiring manager will tell you that hiring based on competency alone is a horrible trap. We are lured by track records of results and leadership competencies and the hope that a person will produce for us and produce fast. So why is it so dangerous to stop the conversation with competence? The fact is that hiring, a hiring decision that may have taken days or weeks to make based solely on skills and competencies can take several more weeks and even months or years, I would add, to undo. And the sad truth is that, is that hiring a competent person with questionable character can be more damaging than hiring a less competent person who may be the right person in other ways. Stated differently. Would you rather hire a competent snake or insert whatever word you want for snake or an incompetent angel? We would obviously love to hire competent angels, <laughs> but the fact is that the snake is tempting and we simply don't have time to fall into the competency trap. Now here's where I want to go though, before we all start to, to point fingers. An oversimplification of character I think is just as dangerous. And this is where we're going right now. An oversimple and I didn't write this back then because in many ways I was kind of taking a shot over the bow of people, who, of organizations that have focused and fallen into the trap of let's find really good people. Like universities who hire, hire uh, tenured faculty members out of the gate. They get the job with tenure 
and it's because the person has this massive publication records, do you know how long it takes to undo a faculty hire for a tenured professor? It can take forever. So I'm just saying like in all these, or in business contexts, it matters. My point being this, that an oversimplification of character is just as dangerous. Poorly labeling the angel, in other words, is just as dangerous. So let's go, let's, let's keep going, all right? Um, so what is character? What are we talking about? I'm gonna give you a definition that is, uh, is there's, a, there's a version of this in the, in the article um, that we wrote, but, but I'm gonna give you, a, this is the, it's a lot, so bear with me, I'm gonna go slow. Our character is the composite of multiple paradoxical virtues. The composite of multiple paradoxical virtues that provide the bridge between the content of the problem and this is where it gets, gets weird. The content of the problem, the content that we're trying to work on and the deeper context of ourselves in relationship to others, to people around us and to our experiences. It's the composite of multiple paradoxical virtues, virtues that provide a bridge between the content and all this other stuff, like who we are, how we relate to other people, our environment and all these things. And I want, and one of the ways, and this is, this is, a, this is a simpler definition than Claire might put in there. I said, simply stated, I don't know if it's that simple. Uh, character is the virtuous and paradoxical bridge between what is unchanging and changing in our experience of ourselves, others, and our world. That's going to be my big point. It's the, it's the bridge between what is changing and unchanging in our world. Now think of it this way. Think of character as, I, I love, there's a giant uh, walnut tree in my neighbor's yard. It's massive. It's the most beautiful tree I would hate to have it in my yard, by the way. Like it would, my, my, my neighbors don't enjoy it. They live in the shadow of this tree. I get to look at it from my bedroom window. So uh, this giant tree, but I always think of character related to that tree because think of it this way, that a tree has um, a certain DNA, right? It, it, it's a part of what it is. Um, and it also has, but, but trees are amazing things because they've, they've been hit for years by the winds that hit them. They grow in certain directions as they reach for sun. I always wonder like, what is in the DA that it caused a branch to go out a certain way? You know, it's all that, the interaction between the environment and the DNA of that tree is so interesting. And then I always think of, I don't know why this always go here. Cause I think, and then also I carved my name, my name in the side of trees before, or my kids, when we would go out, my son, my son still does this. We're out on a hike the other day. All of a sudden I hear this loud boom behind me and he's got a giant log and he's smacking trees with the log. And I'm like, poor tree. But then I'm also thinking like, he's being a guy, he's being my son. That's what, that's what he does. And so like the, our character is this weird interaction between these things that are true and unchanging in our environment. And so that's, it, that gives you, if you like those kinds of uh, ways of thinking about things, that's, what, that's the way that I think about it that. But let me go a little bit deeper. Um, and this is kind of my primary thesis regarding character, is that character is a set of tensions and not a list. If the character of tree is this interaction, like and I talked about it as a bridge, it's, it's between those two things, like between what is unchanging and true and what is changing in our environment. And that character is this bridge. Now, what is the bridge made of? And what I'm suggesting is that it's made of a bunch of paradoxes paradoxes um let me give you let me give you another from this article i want to read something else um there's so much really interesting stuff in here so i'm trying to skip to the point um 
let me describe virtues because I already mentioned that the character is these paradoxical virtues. So let's define virtue. Virtue is derived from a Latin word virtus, meaning strength. To act with character is to reveal virtue, especially during times of stress. Now, isn't that interesting? Like the virtue is re revealed during times of stress. And you guys know that I have all this work we've done around leading under pressure and that that's where it shows up. That's where those virtues are revealed uh, most profoundly in those times. Well, here's what I want to say is that most of the, most of the definitions of character, uh, both in pop culture and in culture in general, in most books, and by the way, in most of the, uh, the actual uh, people, the scholars who have studied it and psychologists, are lists of virtues. You know, this, is, this part is, if, no, if nothing else lands, they're, they're described as lists of virtues. So if you do these things, or you are these things, or you exhibit these things, you are a person of character. Um, now, what's interesting is that there's also a connection to morality that's part of this, of course. But I think what's interesting is that character, if you go back to the tree, character is a neutral concept. We all have it. We all have this imprint of, on our lives. So what is really going on in our character? And so this is where, as you think about paradoxes, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm asking you to just kind of embrace for a moment, even if you come back and go like, Rob, I disagree. I'm fine with that. That's a great conversation over a cup of coffee we'll have someday. But what I'm suggesting is that the, the, a, a better definition of character is, is as this bridge, is, is competing virtue. Paradox is, find is this, two seemingly contradictory things, both of which are true. One of the most popular character virtues being talked about right now, if I asked you, is humility. And this is where I say, I think it is, it's not only reckless, but it misses the mark of our reality if all we do is we say, we need humble leaders. And I'm not disagreeing that that's true, but humility is always, you can use whatever words you want, is always in tension with something else. To be humble, to actually, to, to be a person of humility, it's interesting. It, it occupies, and this is the language I'll use, uh, the word that I often think about is conviction. And I think anyone that says being convicted and clear and commanding in, a, in your presence and being humble at the same time is no simple formula. To be convicted and humble at the same time is a challenge for us. Like, it's how do I, how do I make sure I'm humble? And my dad used to always say, like, he said, one of the pieces of advice from my dad from my childhood was, he's always said, Dad, or he said, Rob, be careful how you read your own press clippings. I was a kid. I didn't have any press clippings. But, you know, some of you heard this before. And it's like, he was kind of saying, like, stay humble. Like, don't read that stuff. If people say nice things about you. But I think he was also saying, if they say bad things about you. Like, be careful how you look at that. Let me give you another example. So conviction and humility is one. Courage and reluctance. We talked last week about reluctance to lead. I, said that's, I think that's a fundamental competency for leaders, to be aware that, that leading takes both reluctance and courage. The paradox is unbelievable, right? It's like, how do you have the, how do you maintain? Courage doesn't exist as a virtue without fear. It doesn't exist. And a leader who is not aware of that tension scares me so badly, who isn't aware that there is, there is something to be reluctant about because the stakes are so high. 
and not in, for, for myself and for others, if I, if I am to take on the mantle of leadership, that that's a challenge. So even the tension between courage and reluctance, those virtues are more paradoxes than they are. Be courageous, go forward, and then be aware that there's a lot at stake. <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? And I would say, yes, how do you do that? At least we're asking the question. Another one. This, I, this one just is so challenging. So vulnerability that's being pushed around a lot right now. And, I would, and it's a different concept. So we get that's for another time. But transparency is something we're also talking about. We want fully transparent leaders. And you know, I have a problem with that. You guys know that I have a problem with people saying like, just be vulnerable, just share everything. Vulnerability is defined as an openness to being hurt. That's the definition. So when we're vulnerable, there's a possibility that people will hurt us with whatever we share. And I think of this, I think of with, if vulnerability is one thing that we want, there's another word that we use so often with character and it's the word integrity, right? We want, we want, we want people like, and most of us probably would say when I've asked people, like, how do you define integrity? They say, well, you do what you say you're going to do. Um, I think there's another way to think about it is structural integrity. And I think about a castle, um, where, where a castle is built with giant walls and it's this amazing fortress that, that, that uh, is, is in a community that gives, that gives a sense of security at the same time. We're dealing, you know, we're working with, there's some of them on the call right now, there's a lot of leaders in security who get this. It's like, how do you have a castle that has all this capacity to protect people? Boy, is this relevant right now. And the same capacity to open its gates. And anyone that tells me that there, there is not a tension between, you ask any leader the, between vulnerability and the structural integrity and strength and capacity to, to protect, like that's the reality of our character, right? Is like we walk between these things. And then the last one I'll give you as a possibility is between realism and hope. We want hope. We need leaders who provide hope, but we also want leaders who have a realistic view of the present and the future and the past. Like it's a, it's an unbelievable tension that we face. So one of the reasons that this is so you can sense my, uh, I get excited about this and I know it's a lot to consume, but this is the thing is when you think about your organization, do you, do we have systems in place that allow people that invite people into the real tensions of their life and their character? And I described character earlier. I want to, I want to, finish with this as, as a bridge that, that what is so interesting, and, and you know that we're about development, deeper seated leader development. That's what, you know, creating a, a way and a system for, for doing this with you and with the leaders around you. And that's what the wild toolkit is about. But I had this, this interesting eye opening when I was thinking about this, this last week, that what character is about is, so, so let's just take one simple content concept. Personality, as you've heard me talk about before, some of you have, is the, are traits. There are things about you that are less likely to change over your lifetime. So these are things that are, that are somewhat true. And go with my tree example. That, that'd be part of the DNA example, okay? It's like things that are less likely to change. But we also know from the research that there's a whole lot in you that's changing, that's affected by your environment. And what, I, what I'm suggesting is that character is the bridge between those things that it provides our conversations about that provide this, this bridge between what is true and unchanging, not only in ourselves, but in our world, but also in the environment and the things that are shifting all the time. 
and that, and that these fundamental virtues, these, these virtues in tension are what provides that connect, connective tissue between. And this is why, y'all, this is why I get so excited. I don't know. This is why every oversimplification of character will leave us wanting. So those of us who would identify, um, you're saying like, you know what, I, 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 want, I want the simple answers and I want, I kinda, I want the leader who's, who, who has it clear, who has all the answers, who, who brings love and compassion. I don't see the paradoxes and I think the challenge is, is that when we start to look for that, it's disconnected from the reality of a human being who is, who is actually dealing with the tension with, between these things and not an oversimplification. And it's why when we talk about just finding humble leaders, absent the necessity for leaders with a very strong sense of themselves and a, and a personal fortitude, that we'll find that it's going to miss the mark of what people are actually experiencing. And that's probably why it lacks stickiness. The oversimplification, the ideal, the aspiration without the, the paradoxes is it's missing something. And this is also why I think what's fascinating when you read our constitution, and by the way, I spent a lot of time in India, as some of you know, and in, in even the Indian constitution, India is not a perfect place. The United States is not a perfect place, but these are aspirational documents that are full of inherent paradoxes. And, and this, and they're so connected to our reality, but they're not perfect. They aren't, they aren't, they don't line up perfectly. So, um, one of the other things I want to mention is this, as we get into this conversation, because I want us to talk about these tension, these tensions is that one of the places I've actually resonated with mostly in terms of people doing research in this space of character is with the US military. And I, I'm, I've always wondered why, because I, I actually got in touch with some uh, researchers who were at West Point for a while. And I was like, this sounds so different than everything I see in the corporate spaces of leader development. And I think one of the things is that they are daily dealing with these tensions um, at a very extreme kind of level. So the issue, one of the other things I think that is fascinating regarding character that is a, probably a longer conversation, but is that any conversation about the character of leaders absent the possibility of both good and evil in any one of us will also leave us lacking. I think there's something that we're doing in culture where we want to label people or things as good or bad um, is absent the reality that both of those possibilities live within each of, each of us. And, um, and this is precisely why this is the last, I'm gonna drop a word on you that maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, Mary, I'm just looking at you because you're on my screen and I, I, get, I get permission when you laugh, all right? Is this. Um, At my wedding, I had a guy uh, speak. I wanted a younger voice. My dad was marrying us and I wanted somebody who was kind of one of my peers to speak. And my friend Matt got up in front of a church of a couple hundred people and he said this, blew my mind. He said, I didn't know what he was gonna say. And he was, Matt's kind of a loose cannon in good ways. But he said, the vows you're about to say, you cannot keep. And then he paused. And I've never heard almost like, if I could hear a gasp, I felt like the whole, I'd never heard someone say this in a wedding before at a marriage. The vows you're about to say, you cannot keep. And he paused. I just, the whole truth, I'm like, what's he going to say? And this is what he said. 
And this is from, this was from Matt's worldview. He said, it is only by the grace of God that you will be able to keep these vows. And when he said it, it sounded unbelievable. And I had no idea what he meant. But you know what I understand? I understood a year later. The reason why it made sense to Matt was because he was already married. Like the concept of grace didn't make sense to me yet because I wasn't married. I'm standing, I'm like, say all the ideal stuff. Like, let's not talk about how messy this is going to be. Like, like how easy it's going to be and how wonderful it's going to be. My wife looks beautiful. I just, I love this woman so much. And he's like, you can't keep these vows. Now I say that because, because of this. I think what's interesting about this, this, this bridge, this character, these paradoxical tensions and this, this connective tissue between the things about us that are not changing and the things about us that are, are developmentally, and by the way, there's all kinds of psychology in this too, is that, is, that, is that grace is the oil in that bridge. Grace is the lubricant that makes it all possible because it takes a ton of grace for ourselves and for other people to be able to allow people to walk into that tension when they come into an interview with us or when we walk into a developmental moment with them. And it's one of the reasons I think that it is so powerful. We talk about questions are so powerful. That's a lot to chew on y'all. I know that. And I hope it's okay because I give myself permission there. But in this conversation you're going to have for just a few minutes, uh, Claire's going to put those tensions in there and launch you into which of those tensions is most relevant to you right now. Next is our spotlight from our live and interactive wild conversation. This is an interview with one of the leaders who was on the call for this topic, and we think you'll really enjoy their insights. Thanks for listening. Okay, wonderful. Hello, everyone. I'm so pleased to join. This has been a wonderful and very timely conversation, especially for the work I do. I serve as the Chief Intercultural Engagement Officer for Wheaton College. So happy to be here today. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Sheila. I'd love to hear from those tensions that we mentioned, what was the one that is most relevant for you right now? Do you want to give us, I'd love for everyone to get, hear your thoughts there. Yeah. What's most relevant for me that I discussed with uh, my team was um, conviction and uh, humility. And I, I love how it was framed as far as that there is a tension with that. And I think the way I process that is that um, it is a paradox because obviously sometimes even as you're expressing conviction, <laughs> you may feel like, am I being humble? Am I coming across? But one of the things I realized is that the balance with that is as you have conviction and as you pray for and, and, and actually um, act out on your humility, part of that humility comes into making space for other people to have their convictions as well. And, and one of the phrases I would always think of with conviction is Oprah used to have this phrase, it's like what I know for sure. And you know, all of the things that we've actually discussed, uh, you know, are relative, they're very subjective based on who you're discussing it with, nothing is absolute. <laughs> and so when we talk about conviction, oftentimes it's our uh, thoughts about our integrity, it's our truth, but then other people may have something totally different. And so if we're so full of conviction that we're not making space for other people's thoughts and opinion, I think that's where the lack of humility comes in. So it's good to, to have that conviction um, but also the humility comes into making space for other people to, to have their conviction as well. Um, so, so we can get to a greater place of uh, understanding. And my role with diversity work, um, I'm always navigating um, tensions and different perspectives and worldviews. Um, but oftentimes you're trying to get people to express that so you can get to a more common story and, and shared understanding and shared values, which a lot of times organizations are trying to do uh, to live out. I think the last reflection I had um, that I appreciate 
uh, when um, Dr. McKenna started out, just about character. And again, I work in a Christian environment. So I think overall, I have observed competence being prioritized over character. And even though good and bad character is it's still relative um, to a certain extent, but I do think that good character produces good outcomes <laughs> over the long term. So I think that that is kind of a litmus test. Um, I've seen people who are competent, but because of bad character, they actually create a lot of harm for others. And it actually uh, causes other people to leave organizations. So I, I see the need and I've actually experienced it uh, very frequently where if you prioritize competence over character, it creates bad climate. That's, so that's how a bad character <laughs> over the long term produces bad climate. And so that's something to, um, to avoid as well and another tension to navigate. So those have been some very meaningful takeaways for me um, as I move forward in, in the work ahead this year. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.